Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, to what we call The Late Show, I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. It has been... It has now been 24 hours since House Republicans reached into a bag of randos and pulled out a shiny new Speaker of the House. The man they chose is Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson, seen here just as the edibles are kicking in. Before yesterday... Mike Johnson had very little name recognition, except for the fact that he has America's most generic name. <laughs> now, I, want, I need your participation here. I want you to clap in here if you know someone named Mike or Michael Johnson. <laughs> Any of those Mike Johnsons would be a better speaker of the House. <laughs> but Republicans are doing their best to convince us that their only choice was the right choice. Texas Representative Pat Fallon said this of Johnson. I would really put him in a mold of Ronald Reagan. I know that's saying a lot. He's shorter than the president. Yes. (laughs) And that's the thing everyone associates with Reagan. His height. Who can forget this famous moment? Mr. Gorbachev, I can dunk. It's true. It's true, right top of the key. Matt Gates also had some words of praise for Johnson. He's a Louisiana man, and we're going to buy you hours. So people are actually going to have to work on Mondays and Fridays. Yo, it's exciting to have the first Bayou speaker. Hey, how you all are? Just going to drain the swamp, going to get right down on them gators and pull about in a parole lazy le bon I guarantee. <laughs> now. Come on, now. We don't have time for that. (laughs) Not everyone was so effusive, like Indiana Senator Todd Young, who said, we just need a warm body at this point, right? (laughs) They just need a warm body? Was this the race for speaker or last call at Hands? It's closing time. Hey, you shiny lady with all the flashy lights. Want to come home with me? What? Oh, I'd bang a friggin' jukebox. (laughs) Now that, now that he's got the job, Johnson has to actually do the job. As John Kennedy put it, the real work begins now. To pass anything, you have to go get Democratic votes. You don't have to be Einstein's cousin to figure that out. Yeah, we all know the true genius was Einstein's cousin. Hey, uh, hey excuse me, Steve. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. It's my writer, Brian Stack. Uh, uh, say hi to Brian, everybody. Brian... Brian, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the monologue. What's up? Well, Steve, I heard that Einstein's cousin thing, and it gave me an idea for a joke. Okay. Okay, what, uh, what you got? Well, you know how Einstein had that theory of relativity? Uh-huh. And? There's gotta be a joke there. <laughs> and, uh, what might that joke be? 
Well, I'm going to kick it around with the folks in the writer's room, see what we can cook up for you. What time do you tape the show? We're, we're, we're taping the show right now. You're in front of the audience. Perfect. They're going to love this joke. Brian Stack, everybody, my writer. Brian, thank you. Where were we? All oh, right. Uh, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Johnson is also extremely anti-LGBTQ, saying homosexual marriage is the dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy that could doom even the strongest republic. <laughs> if you're doing it right. <laughs> Go for some, some dark chaos right now. Senator John Kennedy revealed perhaps the most upsetting fact about Speaker Johnson. He does an, uh, um, um, wonderful impersonations. If you haven't already, ask him to do a few of his impersonations. Oh, I would love <laughs> to see Mike Johnson's impersonations. Hi, I'm Mike Johnson, and this is my Robert De Niro. Meh, see, homosexual marriage is a dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy. See, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> I run the same. There's news about uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, excuse what? me, Steve. It's, uh, it's Brian again. Y yeah, Brian? Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but back to the whole Einstein's cousin thing. <laughs> me and the other writers looked it up, and get this, Einstein actually married his cousin. Yeah, I, I knew that. And? Feels like that could be part of the joke. <laughs> okay. When... What is the joke? Let me just run it up the flagpole. You're gonna love it. Bafo laughs. Brian Stack, everybody. Thank you, Brian. He's a good man. He's a good, he's a good man in a tight spot. Okay, back to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Over the last year, we've learned that Thomas failed to disclose things like 38 destination vacations paid for by billionaires, many of them at the exclusive resort Scandals. Now, we've now learned, according to a new Senate report, Thomas failed to fully repay a $267,000 loan for a luxury RV he received from a longtime friend. It was a loan that I would never have to pay. <laughs> we've heard about Thomas's RV for years. He even showed it off on 60 Minutes. What kind of an engine has this got in it? This has got an 8V92 Detroit D. <laughs> kind of weird timing on the horn there, but he just saw a bumper sticker that said, honk if you're on 60 minutes. <laughs> so shocking revelations of secret payments to a Supreme Court justice who, coincidentally, happens to be the most pro-gun justice in our lifetimes. Which brings us to a story that is sadly all too common. Because last night, there was another horrific mass shooting in America, this time in Lewiston, Maine, where 18 people were killed and more than a dozen injured. This is unfathomable darkness, and there are no words to describe the sickening grief and horror. The suspected shooter, who, as of this taping, is still at large, still at large, reportedly has a history of mental health issues, including hearing voices, who had also threatened to shoot up a National Guard base and who was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks over this past summer. Yet, he was still able to get guns. Now, we know the argument. Some people are going to say, this is a mental health issue. Others are going to say, it's a gun issue. 
But there's no reason it can't be both. For instance, some people are going to look at this tragedy and say, we don't have enough guns in America. That alone proves some of us are mentally ill. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter where the answers come from, from Republicans or Democrats or independents. There's no reason for this to be a partisan issue. Humans are dying. This is a human issue. Mm -hmm. And at times like this, you can feel powerless, but you're not, because you can make this the issue you vote on. And I promise you, no matter what side of the aisle you presently sit on, you will not be alone, because 86% of your fellow Americans want universal background checks before any gun purchase. A majority... A majority of your fellow Americans want a ban on assault-style weapons. More than 80% of Americans want Congress to do something, anything, to prevent mass shootings. So ask your representative, what will you do? And if they don't have an answer immediately at hand, if they say it's too soon to talk about this, that means they've never really given it any serious thought because they have had plenty of time since Uvalde and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and Sandy Hook and the Pulse nightclub. So if they don't have an answer now, they will never have an answer. Now, we do have a new Speaker of the House, a self-professed, devoutly religious man who on his first day in office addressed this unspeakable tragedy. Let's hear what his new ideas are. This is a dark time in America. We have a, a, a lot of problems, and we're really, really hopeful and prayerful. Prayer is appropriate in a time like this, that the evil can end and this senseless violence can stop. And so that's, that's the statement this morning for the, on behalf of the entire House of Representatives. Everyone wants this to end, and I'll leave it there. Why would you leave it there? Is that what you think produces hope, just leaving it there and walking away from the problem? We're already capable of hope and prayer ourselves. You're capable of governing, theoretically. And I'm sorry if that sounds like too hard of a job for you. If that seems like too hard of a job, you know who's really got a hard job now? The people in Lewiston, Maine. That is hard. Now, they'll get through it. They shouldn't have to. But people do get through this. And there are very few people like Mainers. I know Mainers. I love Mainers. They're strong people. They've got Moxie. Literally, it's the name of the official state soft drink. (laughs) It tastes like carbonated cough syrup, but they drink it anyway. Because Mainers are tough. These are people whose idea of a beach is a collection of jagged rocks near freezing water. (laughs) Their state flower, the Maine state flower, and this is true, is a frickin' pine cone. (laughs) But they will get through this because they don't have a choice. They can't leave it there. They have to face this tragedy, and you have to face your responsibilities. And I dare anyone in power to show a fraction of the courage of all the families who have faced their tragedies and faced our failure to change. We've got a great show for you tonight. My guests are Keegan-Michael Key and L. Key. More Late Show Pod Show after this. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand-new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. 
Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. As you know, congressional Republicans have spent the last weeks caught in a storm of disruption, chaos, and drama. And that's just George Santos. <laughs> Recently, <clears throat> Santos was indicted on 23 federal charges. These range from stealing the identities and credit card details of donors in order to buy designer clothing to making false statements to the FEC. In response, Santos claimed, I don't even know what the hell the FEC was. <laughs> Congressman, let me help you understand by using FEC in a sentence. You are fecked. <laughs> Despite... <laughs> Despite all the legal trouble, Santos is still finding time to tell new lies. For example, he recently told a New York Times reporter his niece was kidnapped by Chinese communists, but a police official said he made it up. You can see it all in the new movie... Faking. <laughs> he has a very particular set of skills. Lying. <laughs> now, recently, things took a turn for the weirder when Santos was spotted in the halls of Congress holding a mystery baby and telling protesters that since he had a child in his arms, it was inappropriate to ask him questions. <laughs> when asked if the baby was his, Santos replied, not yet. <laughs> okay, the only creepier response to the question, is that baby yours, is to say, yeah, but you can have a bite. <laughs> now, I said creepy. <laughs> now, on top of everything, we just learned right before recording the show, and this is true, is this, is this happening? A fellow New York congressman introduced a resolution to have Santos expelled from the House. <laughs> Let's talk to someone who has thoughts on the future of George Santos. New York congressman, George Santos. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. It's an honor to be back here hosting The Late Show! Wait, no, don't reward him. First, I have to ask you about the new House Speaker. How do you feel about Mike Johnson? He, he's a bit of an unknown. <laughs> he sure is. But I can't wait to get to know him better. Like, what is the name of his first pet? Or what is his mother's maiden name? <laughs> or what is the four-digit code he was just texted by his bank? Well, but, but now that you've brought it up, you are currently being indicted for financial fraud and facing some very big charges. <laughs> big charges? Oh, please. Those are nothing compared to the big charges I've got at Gucci and Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Which, by the way, are also my names. No, they're not. Yes. So, so you admit that you, you misuse your campaign funds for personal goods? Lie, Stephen. I would never use my campaign funds. That's what my donor's credit cards are for. <laughs> See, I got a Visa. See, I got a MasterCard. Ooh, a Panera gift card. Ooh, ah, I'm making it rain bread bowls up in this bitch. <laughs> 
Congressman, Congressman, all, all of that is illegal. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Am I in trouble? Oh, <laughs> uh, are you gonna throw me in jail? No, but they might. You've lied to the FEC. Uh, the F me what now? No, never heard of her, and I don't speak English. Congressman, is there anything that you won't lie about? You even made up a story about your missing niece. That was no lie. I remember it like it was yesterday. She was kidnapped by the Chinese communist. Then everything faded to black, and someone said, in the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. Dun, dun! Produced by me, Dick Wolf. Oh! Congressman, you're facing federal indictments, and today, members of your own party went to the floor of the House to expel you. How do you possibly expect to stay in office? Stephen, shh. <laughs> I'm holding a baby. How dare you ask me a question? It's so inappropriate. Is, is that even your baby? <laughs> Not yet, but I have the highest bid on eBay. Congressman, wh where on earth did you even get that child? Steven, can't you see I have two babies? Your questions are double inappropriate. Are, are you just gonna keep adding babies until I stop asking you questions? Steven! <laughs> You're going to wake up the triplets! Congressman George Santos, everybody. We'll be right back with Keegan Michael Key and LP. She's an award-winning film and TV director, writer, and producer. Together, they've co-authored a new book, The History of Sketch Comedy. Please welcome Keegan, Michael Key, and El Key. <laughs> Lovely to see you both again. <laughs> Keegan, of course, we've had you on many times. Yes. Everybody knows who you are. What may, people may not know, El, is that you and Keegan have been writing and producing comedy partners for years and are married. And the question I need to ask oh, you sorry, is... What, what, what? You're married. Oh, okay, right, yes. Okay. Sorry you had to find out this way. <laughs> okay. But how did you... Did you think it was a good idea to uh, have a relationship with another comedian? I'm not sure if I could do that, <laughs> because when she said, I love you, I wouldn't know whether it was a really dry bit. <laughs> was it... How did that... How did that happen? I, I guess we, we started trying to figure out working together and producing together and if we had similar sense of humor. So it was a professional relationship first? Professional yes. relationship first, yes. yeah. Okay. And, then, and, and then then romance blossomed later on down the line. Sure. So, Did yes. HR know about this? <laughs> <laughs> what was the spark? What was the moment? Well, um, at, toward the end of Key and Peele, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next in my career, and I, I didn't know... What I, what I wanted to do, I was kind of a little adrift. And Elle, being the very good friend that she was, and it still is, was like, well, what, what, is it that, what is it that you'd want to do? I mean, think, tell me something that you'd want to do. And I kept on putting limits on myself. And um, I kept on doing that. And then tell him, tell him what, what you said to me. So, so basically, he was trying to figure out what to do. And, and every time he came up with something, he came up with a reason why he couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what if, what if you could do anything, like if you had a silver platter of whatever you wanted to do, and you didn't put limits on yourself? If you could do anything you wanted to do, what would you do? 
And it took him a while. He was like, well, I would do this, but then I can't because of this, or I can't do it because of that. And I was like, well, yeah. what if you didn't have any stories standing in your way? What would you do? And uh, turned I think out, that it turned out it was date you. <laughs> You're right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, hmm, that's nice. I like that. And that was kind of the beginning of, that was like, the beginning and, of the spark. And the first thing he said was Shakespeare, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. I said I said that I, I wanted to do Shakespeare and I wanted to be Jason Bourne. Those are the two things that I said. Come on. Not at the same time. Wow. Not, not at the same time. The, the Bourne soliloquy. I would see that movie in a minute. <laughs> you know, no, people often say, like, I just want to be with somebody who makes me laugh. Like, what, do you remember the first time you made him laugh? Um, yeah, we, we, had, we had a meeting and we were kind of talking about humor and jokes and stories and, and TV shows we like that have really high, like, joke... Like, there's how many jokes in a minute and how the many... JPM, the jokes per minute. <laughs> the yeah. jokes per minute. And so we were kind of, kind of being like comedy nerds, like breaking down the science of what makes things funny or what makes a turn funny. And, um, and I told him a joke that I liked, and he had never heard it before, and, and it, he it really like laughed. Oldie, oldie but a goodie? I don't, I don't know how old it is. Um, what is the joke? So, so this, is, this really, truly is the first joke that I ever told Keegan. And um, is, this, is everyone over 18? Is this... we're, all, we're all teed up. Okay, okay. So there's a, a little kid, and he's smoking. And this old guy comes up to him, and he says, you know, smoking is really bad for you. You really shouldn't smoke. Like, it's really unhealthy. And the kid says, well, my grandfather is 95 years old. And the guy goes, wow, and he's a smoker? And the kid goes, no, he minds his own business. <laughs> sure. And that was it. And then it was, it was straight to Tiffany it to get a ring. Straight to Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now the two of you have joined forces to write a, a new book called The History of Sketch Comedy. Not a history. The history of sketch comedy. Um, there's historical facts in here about jokes, but it's also part memoir mm -hmm. for, for, for you, Keegan. What's your first experience with, with sketch? My first experience with sketch was Saturday Night Live. I was, I was um, with my dad one night, and we were watching a sketch, and that, we were watching a sketch where Eddie Murphy impersonates Stevie Wonder. If you guys remember that sketch, remember that? Yes, sir. And my dad was howling. And my dad was typically a pretty stoic guy. He wasn't, wasn't you know, the biggest laugher in the world. He was on the floor, just guffaw, just belly laughs. And I thought, and I'm looking at the screen, and I'm looking at Eddie Murphy, and I'm looking at my dad, and I'm looking at Eddie Murphy, and I'm looking at my dad, I'm like, how do I do that? You know? <laughs> and, 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 that and, and, I mean, that was it for me. That was it for me. Elle, you started as a performer but then very quickly went, I kind of want to be behind the scenes. Now, people don't really understand what producers do. It's really, it's, it can mean a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but producers make shows possible. They make the shoot possible. I say they're problem solvers. Great. What's the problem? Location, right. and person. How have you solved, what, what, can you remember a time when you solved a problem that you thought was unsolvable? Um, well, I, there's, I'll try to keep it quick, but uh, it's funny. He said, uh, Born Identity and uh, Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, about a year and a half after he said that, he was in Hamlet on, uh, at the Public Theater with Oscar Isaac. And I had become very good friends with Doug Lyman, who directed the Born Identity. And Doug put him in an action sequence. And along my... He did. He did. It's pretty cool. It's cool. And it's not going to be the last. It's not going to be the last. So... So Doug asked if, um, 
Doug said, so we were doing this movie called Fair Game with Sean Penn and Naomi Watts, and Doug was directing it, and he said, look, I want to shoot uh, Logan Airport, I want to go film Logan Airport in the snow, and there's supposed to be a blizzard on Sunday, but we're not going, we're not flying to Boston unless the weather's really bad. If there's a blizzard, <laughs> then we're flying to Boston. If the weather's nice, we're not flying. So we would wait and check the weather. I was like, is it bad enough? Is it bad enough? And we get to, we do end up going to Boston and he has one of those red cameras and he films through security. He films through the airport. Are you permitted to do this? Nothing, no, no permits, nothing. <laughs> but I just go find like the- But airports are <laughs> notoriously humorless about these sort so of things. So I would just find the biggest cop I could find. I was like, hi, we're making a documentary and it's not that exciting and you're probably gonna yell at us. And then the Boston cop would say, well, I'll probably yell at you. And I was like, that's fine. Doug, just, just go. And, and then we get on the airplane to go back to LaGuardia. Now it's really... They let you on an airplane? <laughs> With a camera. With a camera. Well, Doug's so smart. Doug is like, it, I don't, it's expensive, and it's going to sit on my lap. I like... hope the TSA is watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Sorry, you get on Doug, a no-flight list. You, but go ahead. OK, go ahead. So... Sorry, Doug. So, so we get on the plane, and Doug is like, I want to film out the window. I want to get the snow plows on the runway, because now it's really snowing. And I was like, wait, don't turn get the camera out. Just give me one second. So I get up to, as if I was going to the bathroom. I made this male flight attendant turn around, and I was like, I'm so sorry. The plane is being de-iced, and that's a liquid, but it doesn't freeze. And can you help me understand the process of de-icing? <laughs> So you... That footage is in the movie, by the way. So, the footage made the So movie. what you're saying, a producer's job is to lie. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. So you, got, you, you guys, you have, you have the book, The History of Sketch Comedy. You also have a podcast. And uh, you guys, you know, you were, guys were pitching the, the... You were talking about this. You guys were pitching the concept of uh, the podcast to Audible, which goes along with this book. I understand you put him on the spot in a way that you did not expect. What did she say she said, in the meeting? She said in the meeting, she said, so what we're going to do is we're not going to get any clips of people's voices for this podcast. No licensing. No, no licensing. None of the we're sketches gonna, you guys talk about. Oh, yeah, we talk about, and we talk about numerous sketches. Mm -hmm. And she said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to get any of the, the, the licensing. We're not going to get any clips. What's going to happen is that Keegan is going to do every voice for every single character. <laughs> in every sketch that we have. And, and I said, I said, I'm, I'm gonna do what now? So, and, like, he yeah. can do it. He's gonna hit this but out of the park. You can do it. And I, I'm just hoping as we go out here, if you, if you could do, do you do Paul Lynn? I can do Paul Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do Paul Lynn right. saying, saying goodbye, <laughs> say, doing the outro right here. Okay. Thank you for being here. Take it away. Okay. Keep the history of sketch comedy is available now. Keegan Michael and L. Key, everybody. We'll be right back with John Carpenter. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.